From Martha HQ on Juno Avenue in Free from Tourists, St. Paul, Minnesota, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this special episode, you'll hear game devs at the Minneapolis site for the Global Game Jam 2018 talk about their games as they make them, and then you'll hear about how the weekend went for your nice hosts and what we got out of the experience. And so, if everyone's ready... <laughs> Let's start. Uh, so here we are at, indeed, Martha HQ. <laughs> yeah! We're in your basement. And yes. you were set around a table here. It feels kind of like home. feels like a clubhouse away from the feels clubhouse. Very home. Yeah. There's a lot of like rug and carpet, and it's nice. But really, uh, <laughs> maybe our listeners want, why are we even here? Because sports people have invaded our town. Right. They're, they're holding the, suburb, the superb owl here. And, uh, and uh, hostage. <laughs> Glitch HQ, where we have our clubhouse, is very near uh, to it's the superb the owl adjacent, yes, I might say. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so we figured we'd try to just stay out of that noise because it's uh, on our calendar, it's tomorrow. Um, although this episode's going to come out, um, so you'll hear this just a day or two after uh-huh. uh, it. So we're just trying to get away. And here we are, and it's a nice new location for us. Yeah. We've recorded at my place. We're here at yours. So, Stephen, next up, yeah. we need to record at your place. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you want that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so it's a Game Jam special. Yes. What's that all about? Well, the Global Game Jam just happened um, recently, a week ago, mm-hmm. and we all had a lot of fun. We were all there. and um, Tell us, I mean, Stephen, why don't you tell us about what the, game, what the Global Game Jam is? Yes. Oh, so the yeah. Global Game Jam is uh, it's a global event where a bunch of game devs all around the world make a game in 48 hours. Because we're all insane, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's really fun, actually. Yeah, so we have a specific jam site called GameCraft uh, here in Minneapolis. And uh, we, uh, our community all together goes to this place and makes a bunch of games. Uh, right, because for the Global Game Jam, you need to go to a site. Yes. Um, unlike an online one. Um, I mean, I suppose you can set up a site in your apartment, but it's not... You know, it's not ideal. There's a little, yeah, they really want people to come together mm-hmm. uh, at places. So every major city, lots of smaller cities and all over the world, mm-hmm. there are, you know, thousands of these sites. Yeah. Um, and um, and so, yeah, the one we have in Minneapolis is like a nice big one. There's like there's over 200 people this yes. year yep, yep. Um, on a, a, a building at the university campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's really nice about it is because like all these people are coming to this one space, you get to work with people you don't normally get to work with. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Um, and we will talk about that a little bit later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, Martha, we're going to listen to those interviews, right? Yeah. So here are all the interviews I did at the site during the get- during the game jam. So you'll hear people just at the beginning of their games all the way through the last day when everyone's very loopy and (laughs) are trying madly trying to finish their game all right hi i'm madea and what are you working on so uh my goal coming here was to use uh rpg maker mv i got in a humble bundle and then never touched it so (laughs) apparently i like using global game jam to test new stuff so we're making a kind of like space junk game where you have to collect go around these people to like figure out uh the secret code to get the transmitter working so that you can get off this desolate junk planet nice (laughs) figured anything out with rpg maker yeah, uh, I opened it. <laughs> uh, I That's the first step. Right? <laughs> uh, I got characters and events going, and now I'm working on switches and variables, so I'm quite excited. I have, like, characters moving. That's good. <laughs> uh, my name's Colin Cody Waters. And what are you working on? Uh, I'm on Team Entropy here. We're working on a uh, virtual reality game uh, that is cooperative multiplayer so you have one player in a virtual reality headset for what we're calling couch players uh, with controllers looking at a a tv screen uh, and they have to cooperate to solve uh, some small overworld puzzles and collect resources before uh, night comes we spent the entire first day concepting because we have a fairly large team uh, so we want to make sure that everybody's working in the same direction and we all agree on what we're trying to accomplish and uh, really nail down scope because with only uh, two days to work on a game, we don't want anything extra being worked on. (laughs) Um, So we're just starting production. Any cool features you're looking forward to implementing? Uh, Yeah, a lot of the the technical challenges of like 
how, how do you get a VR player to interact with a non-VR player? Uh, and how do you do that without sort of removing agency from that player? Uh, if you've got like one giant creature that has you know, control of their hands versus you know, four smaller creatures that are running around with a controller that are you know, very much less dexterous. Uh, so we want them to interact, but we don't want the uh, giant player to just be able to make the game not fun for other people. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellen. <laughs> and what are you working on? Uh, we're working on a co-op maze ex- uh, escape game. So we have a working prototype um, that we had going this morning. Uh, we just decided on kind of a story and a theme. We had already talked about a lot, like a lot of mechanics last night. But we hadn't really settled on a visual direction or a kind of an aesthetic direction. So we have that now. Uh, so we've got our artists are grinning and looking at different things, like setting up some walls and doing some character design and... Our developer is working on adding a mechanic to the prototype so that we can play test it. And haven't checked in with our sound designer on what he's doing next, <laughs> but uh, I have to actually choose a maze design because I'm doing the design work and kind of the producing. So right now I'm most excited for the monster radio, which is actually because it's a co-op, right? So you're supposed to communicate with another person who has the map while you have only a limited view of the maze. Um, so I'm excited to see how that works out when we do our play testing. Um, and I'm really just excited to see what the artists come up with for character design because monsters are sweet and crawly or whatever they can be, you know? So I just, there's so much we can do there. I'm excited to see what they come up with. Hi, I'm Emma Martin. <laughs> and what have you been doing at the jam? Um, at the jam, I've been working as a voice actor for all these wonderful gamers. The main one that I've gotten to do is uh, we had a whole bunch of improv conversations uh, in different character voices. So I got to play four different characters, um, everything from a little girl who was shopping for <laughs> taffeta unicorn bathrobes to a yoga instructor. Just got to play with different characters and improv conversations with my fellow actors. It was great. I had a fun time. I'm Lowell Rice. I am an actor around the cities and also one of Martha's co-workers at the Senate. <laughs> at the Jam, I've been doing some voice acting and also some just helping to coordinate the voice actors and make sure everything goes smoothly. When I found out that you guys just never used voice actors for anything and that we have such a thriving theater community in the cities, it was surprising to me that nobody had made that connection point yet and so it it gave me the opportunity to be that person to say like hey i have some people who can make some voices let's bring them to a game jam and see how it goes for everyone uh it's gone pretty well so far so far we've worked on i think four or five projects so far and each of them has had their own unique take on what they wanted and uh how much they wanted to use us and how they wanted to use us and it's it's just been a real test in flexibility, which has been a lot of fun for me. And uh, I hear that you're going to be at VGMCon as well. Yes, actually. Uh, uh, we're going to be hosting a panel, but we are also going to be making ourselves available to be voice actors at the Midwest Game Jam, which is part of VGMCon. So I'm here with Team... Space Gal Pals. <laughs> It's a point-and-click adventure game. It's set on a spaceship in outer space, and you're... Well, spaceships can be on the ground. (laughs) And um, don't give me that face. And your communicator is broken, and you have to fix it. There's a couple of puzzles in there, a couple of fetch quests. We are... I hesitate to say putting the final touches on, but we do have the game more or less made. Uh, Charlie is making some really nice art to get over some of our our programmer art, and we're just debugging at this point. The game works. It's just not completely pretty yet. <laughs> we're using Godot. Yeah, I think most people here are using Unity, which is like the standard, but I, I prefer Godot. Uh, we have, one of the puzzles is like really hard, um, <laughs> unintentionally mostly. Uh, yeah, we we're just trying to come up with like a simple logic puzzle, but then we kept coming up with puzzles that had a bunch of different solutions. And so eventually we just came up with one that had one way to do it, and it's just ridiculously complicated. Because you said it's, it's harder to have a puzzle that has multiple solutions because you have to keep running a check rather than just saying if you have these, then it's done. 
And so we kept adding more and more rules so that there would only be one solution. And now it's like there's so many rules and it takes people a really long time to solve it. <laughs> My favorite part about that, though, is you don't need the item you get from the puzzle until the very, very end. But you can do it at any point. So it could be the first thing you do is this just brutal puzzle. But you don't need it. And we set it up so you can leave and come back. And I just kind of enjoy that. I'm not sure why. But some part of that is satisfying. So we're working on a game called Rad Wave. And uh, it's basically this game with an 80s neon aesthetic where you play as a radio wave shot from Earth trying to reach alien life to communicate with them through music. I think for me, my favorite part is just the whole aesthetic of it. It's all super fun, right? Everything's really bright and glowy and a bunch of like silly aliens and like the word radical and unnecessary amount. And it's great, you know? It just looks super fun. Yeah, it's like a really simple design, but it looks really well with what we're trying to accomplish. I like how sort of the design blends with, I guess, the movement mechanics and that you are never able to stop moving. You're always moving forward and you can just sort of angle your movement a little bit. So it's a fun challenge to play and it's been even more fun to see other people play it, honestly. This game is Space Pirate Radio. Um, it is a space shooter slash um, management stress them up played with a Guitar Hero controller. Uh, I found this beauty of a Guitar Hero controller. Um, as you can see, listeners. Yeah, as you can see. Uh, <laughs> I found this like about a week ago at a thrift store for $5. So I just kind of brought it with me and I'm like, uh, to these guys, if the theme ends up being anything re- like near like sound or waves or anything, we are using this thing and we are making something with this. So my baby for this project and the thing I'm most excited for, uh, you'll notice our ship is very punk and metal inspired. And uh, the afterburner of our ship is uh, set in a skull that opens up. It's, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> one, one interesting part of um, the art process on this project has been the way we texture it, how we've just gotten totally carried away with the aesthetic and we, we just kind of jump around just taking over each other's works and it's just totally irrelevant, but it's been, it's been a total blast. I did all the texturing on the ship to make it look very punk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Using the guitar hero controller as a design constraint was actually really fun. It kind of kept us from making something too conventional and it kind of made us be a little more innovative with our control scheme. Uh, Sometimes to the point where it feels horrible. But that's kind of, <laughs> but it, it's kind of by design. So yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, we don't currently have a name, but it's about spy vans collecting data. So look for one with vans. Totally normal vans. Well, it's a four-player competitive game uh, where everyone plays as their own totally normal and not a spy van at all and go around collecting different reconnaissance data to bring back to their own HQ and also blasting radio waves at the other totally normal vans so that they can just not collect any data and bring it back to their HQ. We've got some pretty good music in there too. Supports four players, each one using their own controller. The art style is kind of minimalist, but like in a fun way, we hope. Kind of looking for like a little zany arena car shooter feel kind of like battle mode for mario kart last year we worked together and we participated in the uh, global game jam and we made a game called oh ship where (laughs) where you played as ships and you try to push each other off a map but like coming from that we wanted to make something with the same feel of excitement a lot of us we took what we learned from there and tried to improve on it there's been a lot more programming on, on the other members that didn't understand programming as much compared to last year and uh, me personally, I've been doing a lot more dream modeling and it's been really beneficial. Here I am with another developer. Who are you? Alexander Arbogast. <laughs> and what game are you working on? It uh, doesn't have a name yet, but it essentially is flying around in space, opening portals and trying not to die a lot. <laughs> Sounds really fun. What did you, what's your role on the team? Um, I do pretty much everything that's not programming. We had to find artists and sound design people, and we found those off of other teams. Is there anything like new that you learned while making it this year? How to limit scope. That was the most difficult part of all of this, trying to bring that down both in what is possible in 48 hours and what 
the other people working on the team can do. I'm Ben Gardner. Uh, I'm Scott Lemke, and we also have a couple other people on our team, uh, Troy Strand and uh, Andy Korth, who aren't here at the moment. We're working on a game for the NES, and it's called Intergalactic Transmissing. Uh, so we're using a bunch of tools. Uh, that there's a great community at uh, nesdev.com where there's just like tons of like useful information and tools. So we're using a compiler called CC65 that targets the 6502 CPU. Um, and there's some libraries that we're using that uh, kind of help make that a bit easier so we don't have to write the whole thing in assembly in 48 hours. I really like the music for our game. It's got this really cool like Nintendo classic music feel, so I'm excited for that. I might just listen to it as I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the size of the music in the, the ROM as well as like under two kilobytes. Yeah. <laughs> for, like, we have two songs and they're under two kilobytes for both of them. Yeah. I'm Lizzie Seamers. I'm an artist. I'm Alice Carlson. I'm one of the developers. Joe Farrell, also a developer. We're, we're working on a game called Social Anxiety Simulator. Basically, it's like you have to get through like a house party without totally embarrassing yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. So we have like a measurement of like whether you're in your comfort zone or out of it. And yeah, there's a lot of like mini games that you can play with NPCs. I wasted a bunch of time learning shaders <laughs> for minimal impact on the game. It's been weirdly one of my like laziest jams. Like I've been doing everything in like the like what's the easiest way I could possibly do this, which I know is like the spirit of a game jam, but it's been like uh what how how did I make this work again? And then it's like going back through it, but like it's simple enough that you can like kind of keep track of the pieces a little bit, but Definitely won't scale well, but it works for game jams, so that's what counts. Actually, I wanted to talk about how the art style for this game is like really different from what I usually do because all the characters are like super colorful, and I'm like making the NPCs based off of like people here at the jam right now. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Well, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Everyone seemed to be having a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll link to all of their social media and uh, their games that they made uh, yeah. at the Game Jam on in the show notes. So yes, I mean it's it, listening to those interviews. Some of them are uh, uh, telling like sort of truisms about Game Jams. You know, like be prepared, be organized, uh, limit your scope. Like there's some great advice in there yeah. that people are really coming to terms with at like midnight on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then there's, of course, a bunch of really interesting projects that uh, people that you talked to were making, including the game for NES. Um, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Which, if you have an emulator, you can play without worrying about loading into, onto a cart. So yeah, it'll be cool to get all those links. So check the show notes uh, if it's for any episode for this one to, uh, to play everybody's games. Mm -hmm. You guys both made games. We did. Want right. to talk about the games that you guys made? Sure. Uh, so my game, I made a th with a team. The name of the game is Dicer and Clasp Dungeon Skedaddle. <laughs> and uh, you, uh, Martha, you talked to Ellen yes. in the interviews, and that was the gay project. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? So, yeah, uh, people on my team, Ellen, uh, was extremely organized. She was our producer and designer. Uh, and uh, we also had Jacob North and Rachel Peterson, who did character art. Bill Nagel, who did uh, environment art. And Gary Quick, who was co-developer with me. And Tori Kamal, who uh, was music and sound. Um, it was a really fun project. Like, I, I feel like most of the jams I've worked in, they've just always been big teams. Um, and with big teams, it's really helpful to have somebody who like knows what needs to get done at certain times. Mm -hmm. And Ellen was that person for this. <laughs> she was great. We had stand scheduled stand up meetings during a game jam, which like is unheard of. Yeah. I came by and I said, Hey Steven, you want to go get some dinner? Yeah. And you're like, sure. And I go, Ellen, you want to come get dinner with us? She goes, I'm sorry. I have a meeting in 15 minutes. <laughs> And I laughed, but she was serious. Uh, no, we totally did. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yep, I have all my stuff done. I can go. <laughs> oh, but it was, it was great because like, I knew where everybody was, um, how, how everything was progressing during the project and what things I needed to get done and mm -hmm. what things I could help with um, and stuff I could implement and things. So like, it was, it's really helpful to have that. Um, so and I think um, it was said a lot in the, during the interviews that like, 
organization was really helpful. Yeah. So. You know, um, I was helping out with registration a little bit, or mm-hmm. rather, uh, my wife Dale was helping out and I was lingering nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I was, people were coming in and asking questions and I was sort of, you know, helping newbies like, oh, this is what it's like and don't be nervous and go, you know, uh, go eat a bagel or whatever. <laughs> and um, uh, there were at least two people were like, I don't really, you know, I'm sort of just interested in this, but like, I mostly have like project management experience. Like, what can I do? And I'm like, you are going to, everyone's going to love you. Oh, yes. <laughs> MVP amazing. of the team. Yeah, exactly. For real. <laughs> yeah. And like, they don't know it. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, they're, they're like, I'm, maybe I can help out with a little bit of stuff, but I feel like I won't be very useful. And it's like, oh man, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it, it's really great. Um, also with this project, I made sure to finish the, the prototype of the game I was working on within the first few hours. So mm-hmm. I actually had something up on the Global Game Jam website within, within that first day. Uh, on Friday night. On Friday night. Yeah. Wow. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, I made sure I got all this stuff, and I, I think it was just like circles and squares, because you know, program art and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got all that in there, so like, even if like we all passed out for the next forty-eight hours, <laughs> we still would have been good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we the game we ended up putting on there was is much better. So mm-hmm. try that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really smart idea, though, because I think one there were a bunch of games that I helped with that ended up not getting even uploaded yeah and i think that has to do with like at the end of the jam people would just get so worn out and then have to go through the whole upload process and because everyone's trying to do it at once the site slows down and everything so it's Mm -hmm. like actually a really good idea to even just put something up there the first day just so you can do an update process instead of a like let's upload and make a new like game page and everything yeah that. for sure right it, it takes a certain kind of pressure off of you you still want you know even if it's like you say it's like first version minimum viable it's yep. not something you're like super excited or proud right, of, right. but like it's something you've met the conditions and then you're still under the pressure in the timeline to get what you want your vision done mm-hmm. but you're less under that sort of like uh homework due kind of pressure yeah and so yeah that's really good yeah plus uh the global game jam the uploading process is daunting to say the least like there's just a whole lot of things you can put and click and stuff, and so like it helps to just go through, take five minutes in the beginning and see that stuff beforehand. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah. like I remember, I think my first time, like there's all these different sections, and so I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> and then you just you just panic, and you also have no sleep at yeah, that right, point. Right, so right. So then it, yeah, you're yawning in the middle of your rambling, and you just yeah. Well, so, and I, I uploaded mine, and mm-hmm. I I mean I wouldn't describe it as that terrible but there is um the global game has a lot of modifiers yeah which you can just check say my game meets this modifier which is just like a fun little extra condition mm-hmm. you can put on your project and there's like 20 or 30 of them am i right there's a lot yeah, yeah. there's a lot yeah. and they're all laid out you can there's a bunch of check boxes on the page and it's all so dense like just the the, lay, the layout of that page and at, at like four o'clock on sunday afternoon i'm like looking at it blinking my eyes like trying to read it yeah being like i don't have to click any of these but maybe my game fits for them so i should read all of them and then i would just kept losing my place and i'm like no no just go past this yeah and upload the thing well, and yeah be done. That's, that's what it is it's just there's a lot of things it's just yeah. a lot of dense stuff at one moment right and like so like being familiar with that page is I on think friday helpful. night is not a bad idea yeah, yeah so that was smart of you for yeah sure. yeah that's that was my plan but yeah it was really great I, I enjoyed working on a big team uh, I got to like because I got to just focus on coding and Unity and stuff. All of the code in that game is mine, which hey, is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the the developer, the other developer I was working with, Gary Crick, he put in all of the pieces and stuff to make the maze and stuff. Though, oh, I didn't even explain the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the game is is you're you're a dicer and you're trying to save your friend Clasp, uh, who's trapped in this dungeon, and uh, you don't have a lot of information. Like you can see a little bit around you, but not much. Um, Dicer conveniently has a radio and a map so uh, Dicer can tell you in different information about stuff and so you're supposed to navigate together to get through the maze so you can get to Dicer right and the way you guys did it because it's very game jam friendly mm-hmm. like rather than like implement like like uh, you know like online multiplayer for this two player experience right. you just have one person with a, a, a map they can print out or put on their phone yep. and then they just turn away from the monitor where the other one plays yeah so like you know like maybe that doesn't like hold up to a lot of cheating but like it's it's a perfect way to demonstrate a concept without needing to technically implement it. Mm-hmm. And that that was that's part of like the scope management that you guys had. And it's very fun and charming the way the game you have like an introduction and, and like tutorial section yeah. that explains how this works. Yeah. And it's very charming and lovely. And like uh there's no like there's nothing missing from it. It's very polished yeah, for, like, for the small game that it yeah, is. Yeah, everything came together really well. It was nice. We got all the sound and stuff. Tori, um, when he does I don't know if it's specific to Global Game Jam or other game jams, but when he does the global game jam 
Uh, he only uses things he can find around that space. So he got a whole bunch of like soda cans and stuff, and he made music and sounds with all of that. It sounds great. I know. You, there's this there's this wind monster in the game, and whenever the wind monster comes, you can hear Tori going. Ooh. <laughs> That's so <laughs> <It's really> cool. <laughs> Yeah, like everything came together so well. The art is wonderful. All the animations. I ended up coding in a little thing so like you could get random idle animations because um, um, Jacob had made a whole bunch of them. And he was like, I'll buy you lunch if you get this in here. I was like, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> so I got that in there. I, don't know, I never got my lunch. Jacob, you owe me lunch. <laughs> but yeah, um, what, what I'd like, if I were to ever come back to this, I don't know if I would because like we have a pretty big team. Um, so it'd be kind of hard, but I'd like to like put procedural generation. So like you'd get different yeah, maps every yeah. time. That's a really common thing. And my game was the same way where mm-hmm. it's like, I was saying, would love to, uh, the replayability would be for randomizing a, a grid or a map. Yeah. But you almost never get around to that. You were like, I'm just going to make one map and then like tell people that the future version will have that. Yeah. And it's surprising how that, that path of thinking is really common in a game jam. Mm-hmm. Cause it's actually, frankly, it's not that difficult to just randomize blocks. Right. True. Um, in, in a way that's simple enough for like a maze or something. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I think it's because you want to decide what those blocks are and what, how the characters move. And like, yeah, you end up, you can't do any of that work until like the proof of concept is done by the, by then the game jam is over. Yep. So like, I know I, there was at least two other teams of people I talked to who were saying the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. like we're going to procedurally generate this and it's totally not that hard. It's like four, four lines of code and they're not wrong. It's just, you never get around to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It would be interesting to come to a game jam with a lot of those like helper pieces already built. Yeah. Like making a thing that would procedurally generate something and then plug in at the end what you've made. Like mm. that might be interesting to try. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. everyone comes with their own libraries and stuff, little shortcuts and things, but there's sort of a, you don't want to go against the spirit of like making the whole game. That's true. I mean, in my mind, it's like there's no prize and no penalties. So cheat all you want. Yeah, do what you want. Um, yeah. But also like the theme. Yeah. It, people don't always know they're going to do something like that. So uh, I don't know. I mean, there aren't any rules. So like that would be a good thing to do is just to like, like ignore the theme, come with s- some pieces and, and just spend the time working. Well, I mean, not necessarily ignore the theme. No, I know. I meant- but I mean, you could like you could do anything. Like, Did we talk about the theme? Oh, uh, we didn't. Okay. So it's. Global Game Jam, there's a theme. And one thing that I find cool is that you can't tell the theme like on social media or anything until Hawaii jams. <laughs> yeah. And that's because the it takes place at these sites. And so the site, the people who manage each site, they know what it is and then they tell their people and then tell them not to put it on social media. But there's no, unlike an online one, it's not released online mm-hmm. until the, the, cause it starts uh, 5 p.m. on Friday local time for every, every area. So yeah, until Hawaii gets it, then you can start talking about it online. And yeah. people are pretty good about not revealing that ahead yep. of time, even if they know it ahead yep. of time. Um, Charles wrote a really funny tweet right at the beginning. He was <laughs> like, I am so excited about theme redacted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, when we saw the video of the, the, cause they always have a video of the theme. Um, and last year's theme was waves. I was convinced that this year's theme was Waves I too. thought they were playing the wrong video. I, I was like, I oh no, is yeah. she playing the one from 2016? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they produced this little like kind of drum roll kind of video where they show you a bunch of images, like stock footage to give you a hint, and then and then they reveal the theme. Mm-hmm. And, and all the little images ahead are supposed to kind of give you a clue as to what it might be. And everyone's guessing, is it this, is it that? And then 10 seconds later, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it was a, this year's was a Transmission. Yes. And last year's was Waves. Yes. And a lot of us last year did like Radio Waves kind of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So they ended up using a lot of the similar imagery right. in the announcement video. I felt the same way. I'm like, someone say something? Is this the same? <laughs> I even think they used some of the exact same clips. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> to I mean, make everybody nervous. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> then there's like Gears. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And, and then like Bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it just got really weird. Yep, <laughs> but that was fun. Um, so, Mark, you also made a game, right? I did, yes. And I, I worked all by myself, and Ooh. which is the first time I've done that for a game jam. Um, I, on you know, on Metro Nexus, I'm on my own, mm-hmm. and so um, for game jams, I always wanted to work with a team, yeah, because it's not something I have a lot of experience with. And I, I've now done it a bunch of times, and we did Widget Satchel in December, and oh, so yeah. I kind of felt like I, I sort of scratched that itch. I didn't, I didn't want to. Martha, you've talked on the show before about how team formation is like annoying. Yeah, and it's kind of difficult. And it, although this year it was better this year, that's true. Yeah, we had. A, Thank we had you, a, Steven. <laughs> I mean, I did what I could. We 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 improved the process this year. We had like a, a team building station, and I was head of that. I was the only one at the station, and so I got people to uh um to like if people asked, I need a programmer, I'd be like, yeah, go that way. And then if they're like, I'm an artist, I need a team, I'd be like, go that way. And so I figured everybody together, and it worked yeah. out pretty nicely. I, I heard a rumor that 
on the feedback form, three pe- separate people mentioned that you helped them out and that made their jam experience. <laughs> that, <laughs> so. that, that may or may not be true. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, you know, I didn't realize how good it would be this time. <laughs> Thanks fair, to Stephen. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of said, you know what, I'm just going to come up with an idea and do it. I don't have to worry about Git. Mm. I can just, <laughs> just. <laughs> right. That's got to be a blessing. <laughs> right. And so um, I want to do a VR game. And uh, so I brought in my Windows Mixed Reality headset, my my Acer dev edition. It's super cheap and very plasticky, um, but it was easy to set up. I didn't have to bring all the Vive Lighthouse stuff. And it was mm. it was easy for me to manage as a single person. And so I just found a place. I put down tape for my tracked area. Um, and I did a game by myself and, um, I thought I kept the scope pretty small, but the one thing I didn't do was, um, account for how much of the, how much the art would take Mm. because, um, I wanted to just do dev art, like just white box it, but you guys know me. And so, (laughs) you know, that's just hard for me to do. And, and I even look at the work I did and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty much, that's my version of dev art. Mm. It's like that's, but I had to. I, so it took a long time. It's so, beautiful. Thank you. It is nice, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we'll put, we'll put some images in the in the, on the show page for uh, for both of our games. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I spent a lot more time doing that, and then I didn't um, I didn't stop and and program the wind and lose conditions. So my game, is, I'll describe it. So it's a it's a two player game. It's a co op game, and um, uh, so actually uh, one of the people you interviewed talked about their a similar thing where they have someone in the VR set and they had couch players. And so I had something similar. It was a two-player game. So one VR headset, one person with a controller. And um, the VR person would be standing in these tall towers, and they could uh, tran- uh, teleport between them. There's four towers in this like city square area. And um, they would look down, and they can see um, the other player who is running around the streets. And they, um, there are buildings all around this, this, this block that they can hide in because they need to hide from these patrol robots that, mm-hmm. that go through the, the streets. Right, yeah. And uh, if the robots touch the player, they, are, you know, they lose. And, uh, but the player, I, uh, it's a third person. I didn't want to do first person. I want to do a third person camera. But I wanted it to be really close in on their shoulders. So it was really very narrow field of view. So the, the gamepad player would have to rely on the VR player's perspective to know when it's safe to cross the street, that kind of, that was the gameplay I imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all there except two things. One, when the robots catch you, nothing happens, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you get the idea. Yeah. And then the other thing was that, um, uh, um, the, the first concept was that the player would have to escape. They'd have to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was designing the layout, um, I wasn't being, I couldn't be deliberate enough to know like how difficult it would be to cross certain sections. So I said, well, instead of making it that way, I will just start the player in a random position and I will hide four doodads in the buildings mm. and then they just collect all four and they win, that sort of thing. Okay. That I wasn't able to implement either. So there's no uh, win, no, no way to win, no way to lose, but uh, the robots will chase you. I implemented an AI routine, which is the first time I've ever done any work in AI work in a game. It's not that impressive. There's really very little to it, but I've just never done anything. I like was that. surprised you sold me that. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, it's, I mean, like I know how to do it. I've yeah. done tutorials and stuff, but never in any of my projects have I implemented any kind mm-hmm. of AI routine. And so it was very fun to give these um, these characters different objectives and weight them. Mm-hmm. And um, so like they follow a path and uh, uh, that goes around this area. They also avoid buildings so they don't run into them. But yeah. also a player can hide inside of a building and the buildings are sort of like um they just have uh, uh, you can walk right into them. There's no doors or anything. OK, um, but if you're running away from a robot and you and you get in under an awning, you're safe. And that's the idea. Right. Um, and then the third objective is to capture the player. And yeah. so waiting those was really interesting because um, I had man, it was very finicky, like dealing these different values and then testing scenarios. Because for some reason, I decided to make a two player game as a single developer. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. was, was real, real smart. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious as to how you do that, because I feel like I have a lot of ideas for co-op games that yeah. I really want to work on prototype on my own. And like, I don't know how to do that. It's, you know, I think I've talked about this in the show before. Like uh-huh. you sometimes you just have to trust your instincts yeah. in absence of playtesting. Mm. And you have to also trust that you are probably wrong, but you have to be like, well, I won't know. I'm just going to move forward. Okay. And so that was definitely my attitude. Okay. But also people walked by, like I was on my own, but I got to like hang out with people and socialize. Like I actually had a great time with people. Like I taught, I mean, people would stop by and I would put them in the headset. Or I would give them the controller and I would at least test out some of those things. So it wasn't, you know, a full playtesting environment, but I did get to, um, you know, uh, see if things were working. Mm -hmm. And and that was really fun. 
Well, um, the place you set up was super genius for that because it was right in the middle of where yeah. everyone walked. Like, so yeah. everyone had to walk by you at some point. I put it in a little thoroughfare, yeah, which was pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, which was simultaneously out of the way and on everyone's path. It was mm. really perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, what was nice is I learned a bunch of things and I, you know, I've done a bunch of VR prototypes, but this was probably the most, um, w- the one that like had more game mechanics in mind. Um, and so I sort of treat it a little bit like the prototypes I've done before, but, um, um, so the fact that I wasn't able to like program in the end, I'm like fine with that. Mm. Like yeah, I put it on live, I uploaded it at like four fifteen. Like I had 45 minutes, but I'm like, you know what? It's pretty much done. I'm okay. Yeah. And then I spent the last half hour trying to implement the, the, uh, the robot capture scenario and then just like, didn't quite wrap it up. I'm like, okay, I guess that's fine. And then I just didn't upload a new version. Yeah. I'm, I was fairly happy with that. I think if I was working on a team, um, you know, cause it's, you know, it's, it's, I would have owed it to them. And they would have owed it to me to like have a playable version. It would be more stress, but I didn't, I didn't feel that stress at all. I just felt like I got what I got out of it and I'm very happy and it's going to go on a shelf and I love the concept. So maybe I'll revisit it someday, but I didn't feel a need to, to you know, to have a, to, to wrap it up. And like, I know a lot of people, I, we did this uh, last year um, where you spend a, a couple of days in the, the, the week following polishing it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I haven't done that. Cause like, mm. I'm, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done that either. Yeah, well, you you have a perfectly finished polished game. <laughs> okay, that's you, fair. You you, there's nothing missing from your that, project. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to talk about a couple of technical things I handled. So if people uh, are interested in, in sort of the uh, quick VR prototyping, uh, one of the libraries I used in Unity was uh, uh, VRTK or VR Toolkit, which is a really good starting place for, uh, especially if you use um, uh, 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 the Steam uh, VR SDK. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it works with Oculus pretty well, too. Um, I ended up, even though I'm using a Windows Mixed Reality headset and Windows has its own uh, API and it uh, works really well with Unity, um, I didn't use that. I used the Steam VR SDK and then the Windows Mixed Reality headset uh, ran through Steam VR, which is something those headsets can do, uh, which feels like it's an extra step for me, but it ended up being good because then I could use all the stuff in this VRTK library, which was really great, like uh, interaction, uh, teleportation, um, uh, like a, a snapping to ground, like a bunch of little things that would be finicky to contr- to, to develop yourself. Um, I just got right out of the box. So cool. of all the game jam projects I've done, I've actually probably wrote the least amount of code for this one. Hmm. Um, it was mostly just, uh, I mean, what I would do is I would take, I took libraries and then I would extend those classes and rewrite them myself. Yeah. But like I had so much to start with and that was really valuable because I got to do more design work than programming work. And because I was working on my own, that was really important. Um, so I recommend that to everybody. I think that, there's probably too much in that library for you to not remove most of it. If you're doing a shipping game, mm. you pick what works for you, adapt it to your purpose and then cr- toss everything else. Um, but it's a great starting place. It's a good way to learn. They have lots of examples in there as well. Um, and I've never used that for any other VR prototype. So I'm like, wow, I really must, should have done that. <laughs> I should have gotten on, on board with that earlier. Um, but uh, Zach went, uh, uh, mentioned it in a talk he gave at the um, VR and HCI meeting uh, here in Minneapolis uh, uh, last month. And so uh, it, thanks to him for like cluing me into the existence of that toolkit because uh, it helped me out a lot. Um, and let's see, I also used uh, 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 for the art um, because I didn't want to spend a lot of time in Blender. Um, I wanted to use, uh, you know, like more white boxy kind of stuff. And so I used a program called Asset Forge, uh-huh. um, which is basically um, it's sort of like digital Legos. You get a, a, a bunch, a library of blocks which are, uh, you know, uh, uh, some abstract, some specific, like some are just doors or windows and some are just like squares of a certain, you know, uh, 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 objects of a certain shape. And then you uh, cobble together a larger object and then you export that out and goes right into Unity, all textured and everything's fine. Um, and so that became my art style was working with that. And it, it was much easier to make. And I still spent most of Saturday just doing art. Huh. Um, but I'm really happy I found that tool. It's pretty cheap. It's uh, $20, I think, for like the basic one. And then you can spend $40 and get a bigger library of stuff. Uh, It's very affordable, especially it's great for prototyping and really, really good for VR prototyping in particular because white boxing is fine, but VR is about immersion. And so you do kind of want it to, it's not, people just putting on a VR headset and being in a virtual space isn't impressive anymore. You got to just get a little bit extra. And so that's part of what uh, made it so I couldn't help myself, but actually get a little bit more to it. Okay. Um, yeah. but I recommend that tool. Well, and I'll put the links to this stuff in the, in the show notes cause it really helped me out. And I think people, uh, should, should check out these things. Um, and the, the last thing I did that was really important and got me working really quickly is, uh, this was a, um, a thing that I developed, um, that I, I do for widget satchel mm-hmm. for you, Steven, yeah. for level design. <laughs> it's super useful. It's this thing that I'm calling snap to, which is a editor script, which allows you to snap things to grids. Um, which is not that uncommon. It's not that hard to do, but I'm, I'm, I developed it into sort of a more of like a, like a full API. And it, so you put on objects and you can snap rotations and you can set 
uh, different uh, uh, parameters. And it, we do it in, in our 2D game in Widget Satchel so that we can uh, put out blocks for both uh, pla- like uh, object uh, level geometry as well as for uh, 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 2D tile sets. Uh-huh. It makes it really easy to just draw, you know, put it all together um, without having to worry about things moving by like, you know, uh, 0.37 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's really nice to have. But then it's also really good. I adapted it for 3D. I built this little city square using um, these little road tiles, forward, uh, 90 degree, these little one-by-one kind of things. Uh-huh. I started putting it together, and it was taking me forever. I'm like, oh, wait, I built a tool for this. So I quickly adapted that script uh, to work with 3D objects, and it was like, uh, it just got me building it a lot, lot faster. So the fact that I was able to finish at all what I was able to finish is pretty much due to the fact that I remembered I had that thing already. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm uh, Dale gave me a suggestion, said I should put it on the asset store. So I think I'm going to probably, oh, yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to like develop it a little bit more and then I'll make it available to all of you as well, because there are some solutions out there that are pretty good, in fact, um, but none that do exactly what I want them to do. And so I think I'm going to make it and I'll, I'll, I'll make it available. It'll be fun. That's yeah, so, so like, I, so I ended up getting a lot out of this this jam. It's like I got you know a little bit more develop on on, on that project as well as the game itself, and you know I uh, access to more tools that I'm excited to work on, especially in VR. So um, I would have liked to maybe have worked with the team now. Like halfway through, I'm like, oh, I should have I should have one other person. I should have teamed up with one other person. Well, didn't uh, didn't uh, Rachel? That's right. Yes, at the very end, um, I built these little robots that go around, and it was like at the very end, and I didn't like I'll just I don't care what they look. They're just gonna be squares. And uh, uh, Rachel Peterson, who we've had on the show before and was sort of freelancing, she was doing work for a couple of different games. Uh, she stopped by and said, hey, is there anything else I could make for you? I know you were saying you're having a hard time, uh, have enough time for art. And I'm like, oh, no, I think I got it figured out. I'm near the end here. And then I quickly, like a half an hour later, I quickly sent her a message on Slack. I'm like, oh, wait. I forgot. I, I made these dumb robots that are terrible. Can you please make me a good robot? And she came by and it took her maybe 20 minutes and she made me a cute little garbage can robot with five eyes. And it was very, it was very lovely. And I put it in at the last minute and it made it look so much better. So thank you, Rachel. Because yeah, it was just that last thing at the end that like I didn't care enough about. And as soon as I cared a little bit about it, I cared a lot about it. And, and, uh, and, and Rachel really came through for me in the end there. So that was very nice. But thing is, I should have, I kind of could have had that attitude earlier. I probably could have, um, I could have gotten more done, I think, but I don't know. I'm kind of two minds about it. I'm happy I worked on my own, own, but I also am thinking about the road I didn't travel, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Grass is always greener. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So Martha, you were going to help everybody with Git over the weekend, right? Yeah. So that was the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like three days before the jam happened, uh, my buddy Lil poked his head in my office and was like, so um, global game jam? How is that going to work? And I was like, oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, we should figure that out, I guess. So um, I like I knew that it was going to take too much time to organize all of the voice stuff to do get stuff. But I'm very happy that I switched to just doing that because it helped me be more focused. <laughs> yeah, like you really wanted to do like I'm going to have like a help desk and we're going to bring the recording equipment and have the the the, the, um, the voice actors and do all that you had. And I was saying like that might be too too many things martha but i didn't tell you and and you ended up finding exa- you you pared it down and and like you were very busy yes right? i was incredibly busy yeah um what i did was i got all of our nice games club recording stuff and we set up in a room and it turned out that that room like the room we were in had a bunch of jammers in it and we figured out oh we'll just sneak into another room and use it because it's <laughs> quieter but yeah so i helped all the voice actors like meet people and also um but i didn't really have to help that much with that because um one of the voice actors jake was like super outgoing yeah. and very yeah. nice and he's, everyone yeah, loved extremely it, friendly. To him. yeah he had the he had a what what was it he had a purple something suit on what he had like a suit? like footy pajamas yeah he was wearing the first day yeah and he, and he uh, at the very beginning we were all gathered to watch the announcement video and the theme and everything and uh, Ava and Nick and everybody were up there like giving everybody the rules and explaining how things work mm-hmm. and telling with the schedule and all that. Um, you know, uh, we went up and talked about how we were going to re-recording people and that you would be coming to ask people to, for their, their thoughts. And then he went up there and said like, Hey, I'm, I can lend my voice and I've got a whole troop of people coming tomorrow. And like, he was really uh, outgoing and he spent all of Saturday, like going around saying like, it, like kind of advertising his services mm-hmm. in a way. And, uh, people really took advantage because I think it would have been awkward or a little bit more, uh, uh, nervous for people to come in and like to come find you, Martha and in your setup. And so he ended up being the ambassador for that that and people really took advantage yeah it was really really good yeah oh man there were so many different projects that they got to work on and i think it was really cool for the voice actors too because they got to see sort of like how 
video game workflows work. Like they didn't really know how game jams worked. Mm -hmm. So um, it was cool. like seeing them learn about that and seeing game devs, like learning how to work with actors. Like, um, and some people had like their own recording equipment and like super knew exactly what they wanted. And were like, uh, like giving like good directions and some people had to be more like helped along by the voice actors, but it was like such a cool collaboration Mm -hmm. um, with each group. And it was neat because I got to see how all those different groups were organized and Mm -hmm. worked, uh, which was really interesting. Everyone had a different process. Um, And for people who came in and used your equipment, um, you would help them organize, export the tracks they needed. Like you were there working in audition and like getting them the files they needed to to take back to put into their projects. Oh uh, yeah, the giving people the files actually turned out to be the most complicated part because my computer was dumb and wouldn't connect to the uh, U of M Wi Fi, oh. and so I had to be on the guest. But because my U, my email address is through the U of M, for some reason they don't let you access it on the guest because they're like, oh, you have a U of M U of M address. That means you should be on the U of M like official login thing because yeah. you have a U of M email address. Yeah. They wouldn't let me access that. So I couldn't email anybody. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, um, I'll go do it through Slack. And, but some people weren't on the Slack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like nobody had thumb drives. Yeah. And right. I had a thumb drive. Oh, you did. Yeah. Um, but people were uncomfortable because I had other stuff that I didn't want to delete uh-huh. on it because I didn't think ahead far enough to bring one that was like a clean USB drive. <laughs> And so, yeah, so I ended up doing most of it through Slack and then remembering halfway through, oh, yeah, I can zip files. That's a thing I can do. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit of a mess. But it was like I learned so much about the actual recording process because Mark is the one for Nice Games Club who like has his computer and runs the actual us recording right now. Um, so getting to like run the projects myself was like, super cool so awesome. it's part of my goal to not have to do any work on this show <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> but everyone got what they needed right yeah i mean it was work but it got, it got there but that's why you were so busy is because you weren't just like putting a microphone in front of people's faces you were actually helping them record good stuff mm-hmm. with the actors and getting the files they needed and actually yeah right and you did a little bit of editing too that some teams well, asked you to do right but some well, i re- I said yes, and then I realized, oh, no, I should not say yes to this, because um, they're like, oh, can you, like, split up this file into, like, like the different conversations that we recorded, because um, it was hard to stop the actors and then start them again, because they would just start talking, and I'd be like, oh, wait, no, no, stop, say that beautiful thing again, I hadn't pushed record yet, yeah. <laughs> and so I just kept the recording on, because mm. it was too hard to, like, for them to pay attention to when, uh, like, their process was different. So because I, they were doing a lot of improv. Yes. Right. So yeah. it was, you kind of had to catch them while it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so good. Like, <laughs> oh man, we'll have to play some clips from the stuff that we, I had recorded. Cause man, nerds with words is their, the name of the group. And they're, they're so good. <laughs> How may I help you today? Oh, finally someone picks up. I've just been trying to get through to Lornix. I need to talk to the people at Schwiesenfilf because they really, really screwed the pooch on this last product. I'm very sorry your experience is less than satisfactory. Perhaps I could interest you in a three-month supply of triple-strength doubt remover for absolutely no charge and absolutely no hidden fees for a product that doesn't even work what kind of business are you trying to run do you just i'm sorry i'm losing your connection i'll connect you with customer service hey what's the big idea that's not the right place please hook me up with lornix hello am i speaking to rilla yeah that's me if you could speak more clearly i cannot understand your accent what I cannot understand what you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm going to try and take you off speakerphone because I can't hear you. Okay. I am calling. Wait, no, you're still on speakerphone. I'm sorry. My phone is so far away. I just. Listen, I'm only trying to call you about a matter of 10,000 snortleks. (laughs) What? Are you sure I'm talking to the right person? Okay, so uh, final thoughts? Like. How'd it go? Would you do it again? <laughs> I mean, I've done it four times. I know. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I'm just so glad I didn't join a group this year. Yeah. Like, um, you're looking back and being like, oh, I should have had a, a 
group, Mark. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, no question. I am so happy that I chose to do what I did because oh, it took so much pressure off from you mind last year you were on my team the year before you were on my team so I, i'm getting the hint i'm sorry <laughs> dang that's not what i meant it's what you meant i know it <laughs> <laughs> hey there has been game jams where i haven't worked with you although that's and you hated fun. those too <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. yeah we were on a team too martha <laughs> <laughs> it's the process not the people i know <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just it was you super snack. funny because I'm serious <laughs> I was like, I was telling Dylan, I was like, I'm not going to join a group this year. And he's like, so you're going to be on Mark and Stevens. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you know, I've actually, I've been thinking maybe I make a game by myself next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll work on a team of 20. then. No, I know. I'll be on Ellen's team. There you go. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Stand up meetings for days. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen, if you're listening, please accept my <laughs> team. I'll have to get my application ready. <laughs> well that's our show if you haven't already subscribe to nice games club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us especially if this is your first episode we need to know you're out there so leave a review and tell all your friends too and thank you again to everybody who who gave us an interview at the global game jam oh yeah absolutely that Uh was really nice of you and i hope that you had a good time so um we also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.club. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.